Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm Ed Clementi, your host today for the show, and this is a personal best for me to have uh, Dr. and President David Eisler, Fair State University. Welcome to the show. I'm going to call you Dave. You gave me permission. Yes, Ed, it's great to be with you. We have lots of history together, and we, we both love Ferris, so this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and you you know, you're a bit of a legend, actually, because I know you and I talked about this a little bit on the pre-call, but you've been there 19 years, am I correct? That's correct. And you've got to be one of the longer serving presidents, I would guess, in the state, even in some degree. I know you probably don't keep a record of it, but I know you have seen a lot of other people come and go in you since you've had your tenure. Certainly among the public university presidents, I am, am the senior president. Some days it doesn't take long to get there, but uh, we've had a great career here at Ferris State University. Yeah. And I know you've done a really great job with that university, especially uh, you know, since I've been there and how much you've grown and expanded and programs and everything. But this is sort of like a question that most people probably wouldn't ask you directly, but what does a president kind of do at a university? That's a great question, Ed. And I think that one of the things you learn when you're a president is you have lots of people that you work with, lots of constituents that you have to work with. But I think the pieces about a president is you certainly need to look after the fiscal health of the university. You need to look at the strategic future of the university. I think you have to create a community that works for faculty, staff, and especially for students, because students are why we exist as a university. And part of the financial pieces, you need to be adept at raising money for the institution because there's never enough in the state and we want to keep tuition low. Yes. And, you know, and Ferris has always been sort of that affordable university. At least it wasn't my day. And I think you still hold to that tenure and you try to help out a lot of underserved students, too. Right. We do. Uh, we have sixteen hundred students who come to us or part of the tuition incentive program from the state tip. You know, those are students from from Medicaid families. You know, a little less than 40 percent of our students qualify for Pell Grants. But I think the characteristic of a Ferris student is that they're working to go to school. And I think more than 80 percent of our students work and many of them work two jobs because they're paying their own way through school. And and I mean, this is sort of a I thought it was interesting, but you gave me a better relay of it, of not only how many students stay in the state, but also work in the state. Right. Didn't you? Uh, you got a percentage of it. I remember. Yes. Ninety three percent of our students come from the state of Michigan and, and they want to stay in Michigan. They grew up here. They want to raise their families here. They they like the climate, they like, you know, the environment of Michigan. So what we do is we graduate students who are ready for success in a career and they want to stay within the state. And, you know, I think that um, Ferris was always sort of a, a niche university, even back when I went there. And that's probably why I'm really excited because I did get two degrees from Ferris, by the way. And I know that you, you almost called I wouldn't say a community college, but you do have sort of a community college mentality, at least. Or how did you describe it? Well, we do offer associate degrees at Ferris. So we're the community college for the five counties that are around us. But I think what we do 
is we talk about how Ferris is a place where theory meets practice. So we don't just teach you the theory of it. We teach you how to do it. We teach you how to do it with your hands. And we do that with the unique set of degrees that we have, or lots of applied degrees. And I think when you think about niche, I, when you were in school, certainly you were thinking about professional golf management and pharmacy has always been a part of us. And optometry is a, is a huge part. We're the only optometry program in the state, but you know, I think that continues. And so lately, you know, think of cutting edge degrees, things like information security and intelligence, where we're one of the top programs in the country. And then from that, we have the only bachelor's degree in artificial intelligence. But the other degrees we offer, think about applied. We have the best welding engineering technology degree in the country. You know, we do really unique things like we have a degree in plastic injection molding and nearly all the health profession things. So I think that's a part of the Ferris experience is we, we get you a great education, but we also want to prepare you to, to start off with success in your career. And I think the other part of that is we know that 89% of our graduates get a job in the field that they study. And that's what education should do. It should help you benefit from the education you received. You know, and also I think and you, this is, I'm going to focus on you a little bit, but you are one of the most non-traditional presidents I think I've ever met or, you know, in my time in the legislature, but can you give the story of how music sort of got you here to Ferris? Well, yes, sir. Uh, I'm a graduate of the University of Michigan. I'm from New Jersey. I went to the U of M, played in the band there. And I actually have three degrees in clarinet performance, which is a little bit of unusual background for a president. It's, and it's a really interesting fit at Ferris because we don't have any music degrees here. Uh, so, but parts of my background was working with applied programs and associate degrees, but it is kind of an, an interesting path. And you still perform and play with the pep band at almost all the sporting events, right? I love to play with a pep band. It's a, you think about the difference in age between myself and most of our students and music is a great way to come together. I love playing with our students. They're great. They're out there just having a good time. We're cheering for the team. And so we play in football and volleyball and both bas both sets of basketball games and an ice hockey. And so it's great fun. And this is my 19th year in the pep band. So I, you know, I've kind of, I think I'm the, the senior member at this point. <laughs> or someone that just can't graduate, right? <laughs> that, could, that could be it also. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember that, uh, you know, I think I told you, I, I played a couple of years at Ferris for football, but like, I, just remember that the pep band even then was, you know, we didn't have a big marching band when I was there, but we became pretty close with the pep band always because they they would provide sometimes our morale, you know, for games and everything. So we do appreciate what you guys do for the sports team. So we're not just there to play. We're there to cheer on the team because we're everyone's there to support the team. And we've had such great athletic success at Ferris lately. It's it's fun to be at those games. Well, I've got to give you a chance to just plug a couple of those things because I, I, I don't want to do too much, but like the national championship for football. Just Can you just say how exciting that was for you a little bit? It was an amazing experience. And, you know, we've had two national championships at Ferris while I was here in basketball in 2018. And then the fall of 2021, we won the national championship in football in CAA Division Two, And you know, when you have an extraordinary team like that that goes undefeated, and actually we really, most of our games in the playoffs were over by halftime, and certainly the national championship game was was like that. It's it's quite a remarkable experience. And we also, you know, we 
came in second in the nation with Division One hockey in 2012. And this year, we won the conference in, in volleyball and both in men's and women's basketball. So it's it's been an it's an extraordinary time for us in athletics. We just have this incredible coaching staff who understands about student athletes, and we have we have students who are really committed to being the best, and they have been lately, which is fun to see. Yeah, I'm going to put in a plug for my old coaches, uh, Coach Coso. I know you knew, and Coach Judd Folsky. Both guys that were good role models for a kid that didn't know really where he was going. And sports really did help me finish school there, too. You know, it got me through the first two years. And then I'm like, I loved college all of a sudden. And we see that here now with, with Tony and East for football and dear Will and Brandon for for volleyball and, you know, Andy Bronkema and Kurt Westendorf for, for basketball. And, of course, Bob Daniels in hockey. Uh, we've really been blessed with some some great coaches at Ferris. And that makes all the difference. Yeah, you know, and even the location of the school, I mean, it's really sort of Big Rapids became sort of my second hometown, especially growing up, you know, as a young adult. And you still have a great relationship with the city, I assume, because we always did a lot with the city to help clean it up. Like some of our dorms, we'd go there and help do park cleanups and things like that. Actually, I think we may do even more of this than when you were here. One of the things our, our students do in the spring is they have something called the Big Event where they go out in the morning and they they do lot yard work, they do some minor construction, and you know they'll do three hundred houses in Big Rapids, and we'll have a couple thousand students to come out and do that. Now, the other piece I would mention about Ferris is beyond what we do here in Big Rapids, we partner with community colleges all across the state. So we partner with twenty community colleges, and we offer bachelor completion degrees on their campuses, and these for are for students who are place bound. And so we don't do every degree there, but we do ones that that there's a need for. And so I think we're committed to this idea of opportunity and of access. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. And I want to talk about two other sort of uh, things, but one quickly, you have a unique museum there too, which has made national and international news, I think. Yes, we're we're really blessed to have the, the Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia here. It was It's the life work of our Vice President for Diversity, Inclusion, and Strategic Initiatives, David Pilgrim. And he's collected these things throughout his lifetime. And now we have over 20,000 of these artifacts and it's a fabulous museum and uh, people who are listening, you can go to our website and there's a very good online virtual tour, which will give you an introduction, but we encourage you to come and see it firsthand because it's, it's a stunning display and it really is thought provoking now and a great, great asset, asset educationally for helping to teach about diversity and inclusion. Yeah, no, I know. And it's gotten great publicity for you guys, even, you know, around the country. I know. Um, Another thing that uh, I found, you know, I've actually was very impressed with how well it's doing, but the Kendall College of Art and Design, and that's in Grand Rapids. And I know it's a um, fantastic uh, program you've got there now, but can you explain to people who don't know what it is, what it does? Well, sure. In 2001, the Kendall College of Art and Design, which was a private institution, merged with Ferris. So they become a, became a part of our university. And we've worked together over this time. And, you know, it's, it's a wonderful institution. Much, many, many degrees in design are there. 
and they they have two contiguous blocks in downtown Grand Rapids. And so it's a great relationship that we have. There's a lot of a lot of interaction between between Kendall and ourselves. And it's been a great fit because we didn't have the programs in art that they did. And so we've we've do some great work together. And it's a it's a real jewel for us in Grand Rapids. And I think it's a jewel for Grand Rapids, too, because of the building you preserved. Right. Oh, yes. And you were you were very instrumental in helping us with that. We took the federal. That wasn't a plug for me. I just want to make sure any constituents come after me. Well, it was a federal building. A courthouse was the last great public building in Grand Rapids. And you, you helped us get, you know, the historical tax credits, which made the, the building possible in a public-private partnership. But this was a building built in 1909 that, that we restored. And it is a fabulous thing. And to see our Kendall students walking through this restored building and to see how proud they are of being there is really a great thing. And when you think about sustainability, the most sustainable building is, is the one that you don't tear down and you don't build because it's already there. And so we're, I actually have a small office there and it is, it is a great project. One of my favorite projects all time at Ferris. Yeah, I actually went to it when that legislation was going on because I was also helping the Center for College for Creative Studies. And I did tour it when it was still not in good shape, you know, before you guys even got the legislation through. But I, I remember you gave me a little tour of it. I don't know if it was you directly, but someone from your staff did. Well, you must come back and see it now and see see what you helped us accomplish. Well, everyone should go see it. It's a it's a great thing for Ferris. And I'm sure being in that Grand Rapids market helps you get, you know, good students and it's probably giving you more diversity too down there. And it now holds our UICA, which is a contemporary arts museum that is also merged with with Kendall. So we've even expanded beyond that. Why don't you talk a little bit too about some of the legacy, like you talked about the fundraising, but I think that's a big success story of how you did some really unique fundraising to get the university in a good position. Well, we're fortunate that we have alumni who truly care about our university. And when you visit with them, often what they say, if it weren't for Ferris. And so building relationships with people, has been very successful for us. And you know, we're putting the finishing touches on a comprehensive campaign where we raised $120 million. And part of that has been the Ferris Future Scholarship Challenge Endowment. Well, we took $18 million. We use that as matching funds. And so anyone who created a new endowment or gave to an existing endowment, well, we, we would double their money. And we received that $18 million as a refund from the state on what we had prepaid in terms of MEPSERS. And so we were able to take those dollars for that purpose. And we've created pretty close to 250 new scholarship endowments. And you think about something we should do. We should create these type of scholarship funds that will go on forever and support students long after all of us are gone from here. And that's that's just a great legacy for any student. And a lot of donors have done that. My wife and I haven't. It really gives you a good feeling to, to know that you've done something that's going to make a difference for students for a long time in the future. And the legacies they carry on, even though your name might not be attached to how they got there, it's just the right thing to do, period. It absolutely is. And, you know, what I hear from students when they receive these endowments is first, they're very grateful for the funds, but they're also incredibly honored that someone would support them. And their response to that is, it's really, really fun to watch and to put them with the donors who made those gifts. And, you know, one other thing, and you sort of, another question, but I think you alluded to this a little bit, but you really have a good handle, I think, 
from all the experience, you know, and everything about where the future is going to be, trends, challenges. Can you kind of conceptualize that for people where they should be positioning themselves or what you think it's going to be? Of course. Uh, I think one of the things that concerns me sometimes is the idea that people don't need to go to college. And certainly there are many great jobs you can get with an apprenticeship or an associate degree, but the earning potential increases the the better your education. And so there's never a better investment in yourself than, than going to college. So you start with that. I think the other piece that has to go with that is you need to learn how to learn because learning isn't just those years when you're in college, you have to continue to learn because the professions are changing so quickly and the information we have is out of date. And so being able to be a self-directed learning is something I think it's incredible, incredibly important. However you get to that, whether it's by reading, whether it's a mentor, college, whether it's going back for a certificate or an advanced degree, I really encourage that because it increases your chances for success and helps you helps you have a greater future. You know, you also told me something else, which I thought was fascinating, and I, I might misquote you, but I think you said about every five years you have 25 new programs or you turn over. Can you explain that a little bit? Absolutely. Of all the places I've worked uh, in higher education, this is my 47th year in higher ed. There's never been a place like Ferris State University in terms of creating new degrees. Over over my presidency, in the space of 25 years, in the space of five years, Our faculty create 25 new degrees, which is a fabulous thing. And people don't have that impression about higher ed. But when you think about creating that that many new degrees, and in the same time, they're eliminating 27 to 29 degrees. So we don't have this degree creep. But they're also revising curricula and keeping our degrees cutting edge. And I think that's a piece about higher ed that isn't, isn't told enough about how committed faculty are to being state-of-the-art and to, to going out and doing these new things. And it's really exciting to ground people who do that. Well, I, you know, I, I used to run a chamber of commerce and I was involved on a workforce board. And that was always the big challenge is that people get too concreted into foundational logic that they've used forever. And to be able to see, I always tell this about futurism. Futurism isn't predicting the future. It's about creating a series of options and programs that people can at least adjust and move around as they go through their own careers and continuous learning, like you say. That's true. And and you think about the things that have changed, you know, just over the last couple of years, who could have predicted the Great Recession? Who could have predicted this change in in technology and the things that are possible for us, the growth of social media? We don't see those things always coming, but we can prepare people so that they have options when they do. Yeah, you know, and you sort of touched on this just a teeny bit, but um, you uh, you give a lot of career advice, but I think you also do a lot of commencement speeches. And is there anything sort of you feel like is a go-to thing that really universally doesn't change a lot beyond what you've already told us, you know, is for advice? Well, thanks. Thanks for asking that question. And one of the things I do at commencement is I tell student stories. And I think I've done 122 commencements at Ferris now. And there's something in what our students do to overcome challenges, to to excel, uh, to to go around obstacles, to find themselves. And I think it's that story of the human spirit, of that, that desire to be better, that I think is really embedded in the college experience. And when you spend a lifetime working in higher ed, you really learn to appreciate students and the value 
the changes that happen in their lives when they're here. And I think that's the reason that we do this is because we see the difference that education makes for our students. Yeah. And it's not always easy to conceptualize that for anybody on the outside, because if you haven't had a family, like my family, we didn't have a big college. No one went to college, my family. So that's the sort of advice I think people need to hear at all levels. But uh, we appreciate you doing that and all the service you've given there. Now, this is something because you've lived here, you're from New Jersey. So You've been in Michigan quite a while now. Uh, do you have any sort of favorite places you like to go to or visit or festivals uh, that you'd like to mention? Well, we love Big Rapids. And so one of the things we have in Big Rapids, we have a Festival of the Arts in February where we have 50 events during the month of February. Yeah, I certainly like like to go to Grand Rapids. I love the Grand Rapids Symphony. I sit on their board. And you know, we have some great art art institutions building on Kendall with the with the Grand Rapids Art Museum and Art Prize. And Grand Rapids has just become an absolutely great community for the arts and you know for for culture, great food. So we we frequently are in Grand Rapids and you know we're in Lansing some. I spend a fair amount of time in Lansing working with the legislature. It's always a pleasure to be in our state capitol. And it's such such a historic building and there's so many things that are happening in Lansing. So those are some of the places that we like to go. You know, I should mention uh my degree was in public administration. In my first I never went to the Capitol as a kid growing up, but it was in the public administration program at Ferris that I went there for the first time. And that's kind of when I knew I wanted to be a legislator someday was because of that Ferris experience, you know, and I I just feel like, you know, I know that's the same aha moment for a lot of college kids, but at least mine was at Ferris and I appreciate Ferris is done. We should mention one other thing. We keep talking about Ferris, but Woodbridge and Ferris, I think was a former governor too of Michigan, right? He, he was indeed. Mr. Ferris started our institution in 1884. Uh, he was elected governor of the state of Michigan twice, 1912 and 1914. And what I tell folks when I visit with him in Lansing is his portrait is the last one on the right-hand side before you walk into the house chamber. So go by and say hi to Mr. Ferris, because I do. And Mr. Ferris uh, was elected to the United States Senate in 1922 and passed away in 1928 serving there. He's was, was a great American uh, a, a remarkable founder. And we're incredibly proud of our traditions and of Mr. Ferris. We think the work that we do about our opportunity, about applied education, about learning by doing, we really trace that back to Mr. and Mrs. Ferris. I have my picture when I was in the legislature by that portrait, just so you know. I uh, Well, anyway, I, I, I think that I appreciate this uh, President Dave Eisler, Dr. Uh, we appreciate all the work you've done for the state of Michigan as well as Ferris and and all the music you've given us too, by the way. And you're a radio guy, so you have a perfect voice for our show today as well. But thank you very much, David, for doing this today. And thank you for all the good work you've done for the state and Ferris. Well, Ed, thanks so much for having me, having me as a guest. It was great to reconnect with you. And I really appreciate the work that you and the MEDC are doing. Thanks so very much. Well, as you know, a lot of people at work here, including Kyle, that's going to be doing this podcast and the editing is a graduate of Ferris as well. And I know a lot of my other friends who I work with are pharmacists and everything else, ophthalmologists, they're all still in the field. So keep up the good work. Go dogs. Join us next week where our guest will be Michelle Beckering, National Engagement Director for U.S. Global Leadership Coalition, where we learn from a national platform about economic development and diplomacy. 
The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion. 